Chapter Sixteen of the Scarlet Pimpernel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Guinan. The Scarlet Pimpernel by Emma Ortsey. Chapter Sixteen. Richmond. A few minutes later, she was sitting wrapped in cosy furs near Sir Percy Blakeney on the box seat of his magnificent coach, and the four splendid bays had thundered down the quiet street the night was warm in spite of the gentle breeze which fanned marguerite's burning cheeks soon london houses were left behind and rattling over old hammersmith bridge sir percy was driving his bays rapidly towards richmond the river wound in and out in its pretty delicate curves looking like a silver serpent beneath the glittering rays of the moon long shadows from overhanging trees spread occasional deep palls right across the road the bays were rushing along at breakneck speed held but slightly back by sir percy's strong unerring hands these nightly drives after balls and suppers in london were a source of perpetual delight to marguerite and she appreciated her husband's eccentricity keenly which caused him to adopt this mode of taking her home every night to their beautiful home by the river instead of living in a stuffy london house he loved driving his spirited horses along the lonely moonlit roads and she loved to sit on the box seat with the soft air of an english late summer's night fanning her face after a hot atmosphere of a ball or supper party the drive was not a long one less than an hour sometimes when the bays were very fresh and sir percy gave them full rein to-night he seemed to have the very devil in his fingers and the coach seemed to fly along the road beside the river as usual he did not speak to her but stared straight in front of him the ribbon seeming to lie quite loosely in his slender white hands marguerite looked at him tentatively once or twice she could see his handsome profile in one lazy eye with its straight fine brow and drooping heavy lid the face in the moonlight looked singularly earnest and recalled to marguerite's aching heart those happy days of courtship before he had become the lazy nincompoop the effete fop whose life seemed spent in card and supper rooms but now in the moonlight she could not catch the expression of the lazy blue eyes she could only see the outline of the firm chin the corner of the strong mouth the well-cut massive shape of the forehead truly nature had meant well by sir percy his faults must all be laid at the door of that poor half-crazy mother and of the distracted heart-broken father neither of whom had cared for the young life which was sprouting up between them and which perhaps their carelessness was already beginning to wreck marguerite suddenly felt intense sympathy for her husband the moral crisis she had just gone through made her feel indulgent toward the faults the delinquencies of others how thoroughly a human being can be buffeted and overmastered by fate had been borne in upon her with appalling force had any one told her a week ago that she would stoop to spy upon her friends that she would betray a brave and unsuspecting man into the hands of a relentless enemy she would have laughed the idea to scorn yet she had done these things anon perhaps the death of that brave man would be at her door just as two years ago the marquis de st sire had perished through the thoughtless words of hers but in that case she was morally innocent she had meant no serious harm fate merely had stepped in but this time she had done a thing that obviously was base had done it deliberately for a motive which perhaps high moralists would not even appreciate as she felt her husband's strong arm beside her she also felt how much more he would dislike and despise her if he knew of this night's work thus human beings judge of one another with but little reason and no charity she despised her husband for his inanities and vulgar unintellectual occupations and he she felt would despise her still worse because she had not been strong enough to do right for right's sake and to sacrifice her brother to the dictates of her conscience 
buried in her thoughts marguerite had found this hour in the breezy summer night all too brief and it was with a feeling of keen disappointment that she suddenly realized that the bays had turned into the massive gates of her beautiful english home sir percy blakeney's house on the river has become a historic one palatial in its dimensions it stands in the midst of exquisitely laid-out gardens with a picturesque terrace and frontage to the river built in tudor days the old red brick of the walls looks eminently picturesque in the midst of a bower of green the beautiful lawn with its old sundial adding the true note of harmony to its foregrounds and now on this warm early autumn night the leaves slightly turned to russets and gold the old garden looks singularly poetic and peaceful in the moonlight with unerring precision sir percy had brought the four bays to a standstill immediately in front of the fine elizabethan entrance hall in spite of the late hour an army of grooms seemed to have emerged from the very ground as the coach had thundered up and were standing respectfully round sir percy jumped down quickly then helped marguerite to alight she lingered outside a moment whilst he gave a few orders to one of his men she skirted the house and stepped on to the lawn looking out dreamily into the silvery landscape nature seemed exquisitely at peace in comparison with the tumultuous emotions she had gone through she could faintly hear the ripple of the river and the occasional soft and ghost-like fall of a dead leaf from a tree all else was quiet around her she had heard the horses prancing as they were being led away to their distant stables the hurrying of servants feet as they had all gone within to rest the house also was quite still in two separate suites of apartments just above the magnificent reception rooms lights were still burning they were her rooms and his well divided from each other by the whole width of the house as far apart as their own lives had become involuntarily she sighed at that moment she could really not have told why she was suffering from unconquerable heartache deeply and achingly she was sorry for herself never had she felt so pitiably lonely so bitterly in want of comfort and of sympathy with another sigh she turned away from the river towards the house vaguely wondering if after such a night she could ever find rest and sleep suddenly before she reached the terrace she heard a firm step upon the crisp gravel, and the next moment her husband's figure emerged out of the shadow he too had skirted the house and was wandering along the lawn towards the river he still wore his heavy driving coat with the numerous lapels and collars he himself had set in fashion but he had thrown it well back bearing his hands as was his wont in his deep pockets of his satin breeches the gorgeous white costume he had worn at lord grenville's ball with his jabot of priceless lace looked strangely ghostly against the dark background of the house he apparently did not notice her for after a few moments pause he presently turned back towards the house and walked straight up to the terrace sir percy he already had one foot on the lowest of the terrace steps but at her voice he started and paused then looked searchingly into the shadows whence she had called to him she came forward quickly into the moonlight and as soon as he saw her he said with an air of consummate gallantry he always wore when speaking to her at your service madam but his foot was still on the step and his whole attitude there was a remote suggestion distinctly visible to her that he wished to go and had no desire for a midnight interview the air is deliciously cool she said the moonlight peaceful and poetic and the garden inviting will you not stay in it a while the hour is not yet late or is my company so distasteful to you that you are in a hurry to rid yourself of it nay madam he rejoined placidly but tis on the other foot the shoe happens to be and i'll warrant you'll find the midnight air more poetic without my company no doubt the sooner i remove the obstruction the better your ladyship will like it he turned once more to go i protest you mistake me sir percy she said hurriedly and drawing a little closer to him the estrangement which alas has arisen between us was none of my making remember begad you must pardon me there madam he protested coldly my memory was always of the shortest 
he looked her straight in the eyes with that lazy nonchalance which had become second nature to him he returned his gaze for a moment then her eyes softened as she came up quite close to him to the foot of the terrace steps of the shortest sir percy faith how it must have altered was it three years ago or four that you saw me for one hour in paris on your way to the east when you came back two years later you had not forgotten me she looked divinely pretty as she stood there in the moonlight with the fur cloak sliding off her beautiful shoulders the gold embroidery on her dress shimmering around her her childlike blue eyes turned up fully at him he stood for a moment rigid and still but for the clenching of his hand against the stone balustrade of the terrace you desired my presence madam he said frigidly i take it that it was not with a view to indulging in tender reminiscences his voice certainly was cold and uncompromising his attitude before her stiff and unbending womanly decorum would have suggested marguerite should return coldness for coldness and should sweep past him without another word only with a curt nod of her head but womanly instinct suggested that she should remain that keen instinct which makes a beautiful woman conscious of her powers long to bring to the knees the one man who pays her no homage she stretched out her hand to him nay sir percy why not the present is not so glorious but that i should not wish to dwell a little in the past he bent his tall figure and taking hold of the extreme tip of the fingers which she still held out to him he kissed them ceremoniously ay faith madam he said then you will pardon me if my dull wits cannot accompany you there once again he attempted to go once more her voice sweet childlike and almost tender called him back sir percy your servant madam is it possible that love can die she said with sudden unreasoning vehemence methought that the passion which you once felt for me would outlast the span of human life is there nothing left of that love percy which might help you to bridge over this sad estrangement his massive figure seemed while she spoke thus to him to stiffen once more the strong mouth hardened a look of relentless obstinacy crept into the habitually lazy blue eyes with what object i pray you madam he asked coldly i do not understand you yet tis simple enough he said with sudden bitterness which seemed literally to surge through his words though he was making visible efforts to suppress it i humbly put the question to you for my low wits are unable to grasp the cause of this your ladyship's sudden new mood is it that you have the taste to renew the devilish sport which you played so successfully last year do you wish to see me once more in a lovesick suppliant at your feet so that you might again have the pleasure of kicking me aside like a troublesome lap-dog she had succeeded in rousing him for a moment and again looked straight at him for it was thus she remembered him a year ago percy i entreat you she whispered can we not bury the past pardon me madam but i understood you to say that your desire was to dwell in it nay i spoke not of that past percy she said while a tone of tenderness crept into her voice rather did i speak of a time when you loved me still and i oh i was vain and fervorous your wealth and position allured me i married you hoping in my heart that your great love for me would beget in me a love for you but alas the moon had sunk low behind a bank of clouds in the east a soft gray light was beginning to chase away the heavy mantle of the night he could only see her graceful outline now the small queenly head with its wealth of reddish golden curls and the glittering gems forming the small star-shaped red flower which she wore as a diadem in her hair twenty-four hours after our marriage madam the marquis de st sire and his family perished in the guillotine and the popular rumour reached me that as the wife of sir percy who helped to send them there nay i myself told you the truth of that odious tale not till after it had been recounted to me by strangers with all its horrible details 
and you believed them then and there she said with great vehemence without a proof or question you believed that i whom you vowed you loved more than life whom you professed you worshipped that i could do a thing so base as these strangers chose to recount you thought i meant to deceive you about it all that i ought to have spoken before i married you yet had you listened i would have told you that up to the very morning on which st sire went to the guillotine i was straining every nerve using every influence i possessed to save him and his family but my pride sealed my lips when your love seemed to perish as if under the knife of that same guillotine yet i would have told you how i was duped i i whom that same popular rumour had endowed with the sharpest wits in france i was tricked into doing this thing by men who knew how to play upon my love for an only brother and my desire for revenge was it unnatural her voice became choked with tears she paused for a moment or two trying to regain some sort of composure she looked appealingly at him almost as if he were her judge he had allowed her to speak on her own vehement impassioned way offering no comment no word of sympathy and now while she was paused trying to swallow down the hot tears that gushed to her eyes he waited impassive and still the dim grey light of the early dawn seemed to make his tall form look taller and more rigid the lazy good-natured face looked strangely altered marguerite excited as she was could see that the eyes were no longer languid the mouth no longer good-humoured and inane a curious look of intense passion seemed to glow from beneath his drooping lids the mouth was tightly closed the lips compressed as if the will alone held that surging passion in check marguerite blakeney was above all a woman with all a woman's fascinating phobias, all a woman's most lovable sins she knew in a moment that for the past few months she had been mistaken that this man who stood before her cold as a statue when her musical voice struck upon his ear loved her as he had loved her a year ago that his passion might have been dormant but that it was there as strong as intense as overwhelming as when first her lips met his in one long maddening kiss pride had kept him from her and womanlike she meant to win back that conquest which had been hers before suddenly it seemed to her that the only happiness life could ever hold for her again would be in feeling that man's kiss once more upon her lips listen to the tale sir percy she said and her voice was low sweet infinitely tender our man was all in all to me we had no parents and brought one another up he was my little father and i his tiny mother we loved one another so then one day do you mind me sir percy the marquis de st sire had my brother armand thrashed thrashed by his lackeys that brother whom i loved better than all the world and his offence that he a phlebian had dared to love the daughter of aristocrat for that he was waylaid and thrashed thrashed like a dog within an inch of his life oh how i suffered his humiliation had eaten into my very soul when the opportunity occurred and i was able to take my revenge i took it but i only thought to bring that proud marquis to trouble and humiliation he plotted with austria against his own country chance gave me knowledge of this i spoke of it but i did not know how could i guess they trapped and duped me when i realized what i had done it was too late it is perhaps a little difficult madam said sir percy after a moment of silence between them to go back over the past i have confessed to you that my memory is short but the thought certainly lingered in my mind that at the time of the marquis's death i entreated you for an explanation of those same noisome popular rumours if that same memory does not even now play me a trick i fancy that you refused me all explanation then and demanded of my love a humiliating allegiance that it was not prepared to give i wished to test your love for me and it did not bear the test you used to tell me that you drew the very breath of life but for me and for love of me and to probe that love you demanded that i should forfeit mine honour he said whilst gradually his impassiveness seemed to leave him his rigidity to relax 
that i should accept without murmur or question as a dumb and submissive slave every action of my mistress my heart overflowing with love and passion i asked for no explanation i waited for one not doubting only hoping had you spoken but one word from you i would have accepted any explanation and believed it but you left me without a word beyond a bald confession of the actual horrible facts proudly you returned to your brother's house and left me alone for weeks not knowing now in whom to believe since the shrine which contained my one illusion lay shattered to earth at my feet she need not complain now that he was cold and impassive his very voice shook with an intensity of passion which he was making superhuman efforts to keep in check ay the madness of my pride she said sadly hardly had i gone already i had repented but when i returned i found you also altered wearing already that mask of somnolent indifference which you had never laid aside until until now she was so close to him that her soft loose hair was wafted against his cheek her eyes glowing with tears maddened him the music in her voice and fire through his veins but he would not yield to the magic charm of this woman whom he had so deeply loved and at whose hands his pride had suffered so bitterly he closed his eyes to shut out the dainty vision of that sweet face of that snow-white neck and graceful figure round which the faint rosy light of dawn was just beginning to hover playfully nay madam it is no mask he said icily i swore to you once that my life was yours for months now it has been your plaything it has served its purpose but now she knew that the very coldness was a mask the trouble the sorrow she had gone through last night suddenly came back to her mind but no longer with bitterness rather with a feeling that this man who loved her would help her bear the burden sir percy she said impulsively heaven knows you have been at pains to make the task which i have set myself difficult to accomplish you spoke of my mood just now well we will call it that if you will i wish to speak to you because because i was in trouble and had need of your sympathy it is yours to command madam how cold you are she sighed faith i can scarce believe but a few months ago one tear in my eye had set you well-nigh crazy now i come to you with a half-broken heart and-and i pray you madam he said whilst his voice shook almost as much as hers in what way may i serve you percy our man is in deadly danger a letter of his rash impetuous as were all his actions and written to sir andrew folks has fallen into the hands of a fanatic our man is hopelessly compromised to-morrow perhaps he will be arrested after that the guillotine unless oh it's horrible she said with a sudden wail of anguish as all the events of the past night came rushing back to her mind horrible and you do not understand you cannot and i have no one to whom i can turn for help or even sympathy tears now refuse to be held back all her trouble her struggles the awful uncertainty of armand's fate overwhelmed her she tottered ready to fall and leaning against the tone balstrade she buried her face in her hands and sobbed bitterly at first mention of armand's unjust name and the peril in which he stood sir percy's face had become a shade more pale and the look of determination and obstinacy appeared more marked than ever between his eyes however he said nothing for the moment and watched her as the delicate frame was shaken with sobs watched her until unconsciously his face softened and what looked almost like tears seemed to glisten in his eyes and so he said with bitter sarcasm the murderous dog of the revolution is turning upon the very hands that fed it begad madam he added very gently as marguerite continued to sob hysterically will you dry your tears i never could bear to see a pretty woman cry and i instinctively with sudden overmastering passion at the sight of her helplessness and of her grief he stretched out his arms and the next would have seized her and held her to him protected from every evil with his very life his very heart's blood but pride had the better of it in this struggle once again 
he restrained himself with a tremendous effort of will and said coldly though still very gently will you not turn to me madam and tell me in what way i may have the honour to serve you she made a violent effort to control herself and turning her tear-stained face to him she once more held out her hand which he kissed with the same punctilious gallantry but marguerite's fingers this time lingered in his hand for a second or two longer than was absolutely necessary and this was because she had felt that his hand trembled perceptibly and was burning hot whilst his lips felt cold as marble can you do aught for armin she said sweetly and simply you have so much influence at court and so many friends nay madam should you not seek the influence of your friend monsieur charvelin his extends if i mistake not even as far as the republican government of france i cannot ask him percy oh i wish i dared to tell you but-but he has put a price on my brother's head which she would have given worlds if she had felt the courage then to tell him everything all she had done that night how she had suffered and how her hand had been forced but she dared not give way to that impulse not now when she was just beginning to feel that he still loved her when she hoped that she could win him back she dared not make another confession to him after all he might not understand he might not sympathize with her struggles and temptation his love still dormant might sleep the sleep of death perhaps he divined what was passing in her mind his whole attitude was one of intense longing a veritable prayer for that confidence which her foolish pride withheld from him when she remained silent he sighed and said with marked coldness faith madam since it distresses you we will not speak of it as for our man i pray you have no fear i pledge you my word that he shall be safe now have i your permission to go the hour is getting late and-you will at least accept my gratitude she said as she drew quite close to him and speaking with real tenderness with a quick almost involuntary effort he would have taken her then in his arms for her eyes were swimming in tears which he longed to kiss away but she had lured him once just like this then cast him aside like an ill-fitting glove he thought this was but a mood a caprice and he was too proud to lend himself to it once again it is too soon madam he said quietly i have done nothing as yet the hour is late and you must be fatigued your woman will be waiting for you upstairs he stood aside to allow her to pass she sighed a quick sigh of disappointment his pride in her beauty had been in direct conflict and his pride had remained the conqueror perhaps after all she had been deceived just now what she took to be the light of love in his eyes might only have been the passion of pride or who knows of hatred instead of love she stood looking at him for a moment or two longer he was again as rigid as impassive as before pride had conquered and he cared not for her the gray light of dawn was gradually yielding to the rosy light of the rising sun birds began to twitter nature awakened smiling in happy response to the warmth of this glorious october morning only between these two hearts there lay a strong impassable barrier built up of pride on both sides which neither of them cared to be the first to demolish he had bent his tall figure in a low ceremonious bow as she finally with another bitter little sigh began to mount the terrace steps the long train of her gold embroidered gown swept the dead leaves off the steps making a faint harmonious shh as she glided up with one hand resting on the bolstrid the rosy light of dawn making an aura of gold round her hair and causing the rubies on her head and arms to sparkle she reached the tall glass doors which led into the house before entering she paused once again to look at him hoping against hope to see his arms stretched out to her and to hear his voice calling her back but he had not moved his massive figures looked the very personification of unbending pride of fierce obstinacy 
hot tears again surged to her eyes as she would not let him see them she turned quickly within and ran as fast as she could up to her own rooms had she but turned back then and looked out once more to the rose-lit garden she would have seen that which would have made her own suffering seem but light and easy to bear a strong man overwhelmed with his own passion and his own despair pride had given way at last obstinacy was gone the will was powerless he was but a man madly blindly passionately in love and as soon as her light footsteps had died away within the house he knelt down upon the terrace steps and in the very madness of his love he kissed one by one the places where her small foot had trodden and the stone bolstered there where her tiny hand had rested last End of chapter sixteen reading by judy guinan